Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I am joined by Liston Witherill, who's a coach and trainer who works with consultants, business owners, and their teams to take proactive control over their revenue. Liston, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jonathan. Could you tell folks a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So I work with independent consultants and business owners, uh, agency and consulting companies to help them take control over their sales and the revenue that's coming in. One thing I find uh, with a lot of my clients is they've made it on referrals and word of mouth and occasionally things just drop into their lap, but they're not actively uh, pursuing a plan that they can have some more control over. And so I help them put that together and I help them sell with confidence. Mm, That's great. I know basically everybody you talk to who is, has got either a small firm or even freelancers and solos, everybody wants more leads. Everybody wants to increase their fees. Everybody wants to close more deals, so on and so forth. You know, so it's in almost nobody you talk to has any kind of system for it. It's, it seems pretty rare. That's right. And I also find that a lot of people that I talk to think that they have a lead problem. They want the new shiny thing, right? They want someone coming with some exciting project, mm-hmm. but they have all of these people they've either, either worked with or um, they're currently working with or their friends who are in a position to refer them business. And they've done nothing to proactively pursue business from those people. And so that's always a place that I would start with kind of the near term solution for a revenue problem and getting some easy quick wins. Uh, And so I find that, you know, there's lots of dimensions to it. And sure, everybody wants more leads. But there's all this stuff that goes into, you know, what is a lead and where can I get business? And so those are some of the things we talk about early on. That, that might be a good place to start. Uh, what, how do you define a lead? So uh, I would just go with the sort of classic definition uh, for simplicity and clarity. So I would define a lead as someone who appears to be qualified to do business with you. Um, so by appears to be qualified, typically we look at like demographic factors, mm-hmm. right? So for you, Jonathan, maybe it's an independent software developer or owner of a small software development shop who is looking to uh, increase their revenue in the next 12 months and they want to get off of hourly billing, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we, we can't know that last part, that they want to get off of hourly billing, but if they self-select and contact you, say fill out to get your newsletter or your, um, I'm blanking on the name, but your uh, value pricing bootcamp, I think it mm-hmm. is, yep, you're right. dot com. He didn't tell me to plug that, by the way, <laughs> your listener. Good, good memory. Um, But, um, you know, if someone fills that out, we probably know that they do have the problem now and we probably know that they look like someone who is qualified. We just don't know until we have the conversation. So a lead is someone who looks to be qualified to buy your service and may or may not have directly raised their hand and said, I need some of your help, however small that is. Excellent. Okay, great. So would you, and then the word prospect, I find a lot of people sort of flip flop with leads or they'll use them interchangeably. Do you, do you use those two words interchangeably or is a prospect someone who you've, it's something a little bit more advanced than a lead? Yeah, I think a prospect, I would say more advanced, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, a prospect has shown a willingness to engage in conversation about whether or not I can help them. Okay. And, and so, um, yeah, that, that would look more like we're in a sales relationship, whereas a lead is more of a marketing function generally. Gotcha. Of course, the confusion is sales departments and marketing departments both use the term lead, but for different reasons. 
So um, I don't want to get into a semantic argument, but right. you know, the short answer is yes. <laughs> Prospect shows a higher level of commitment. Great. Yeah, it's, it's something that I find people use a little massively. So I wanted to kind of get it out there. Um, okay, so there's a, there's a specific topic I really wanted to talk to you about. Uh, we were having a chat a week or so ago, and you brought up the idea of serving versus selling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find that especially software developers are allergic to the idea of sales and, and to even a, a large extent marketing in general. They just see the whole thing as this gross thing that's beneath them and they would never sully themselves by mm-hmm. selling. And, and I get that because the idea of sales and marketing and advertising and all that, it's got a really bad reputation, perhaps deservedly so, from the kind of bad apples. And so, and I see, how do I describe this? Like selling, like you, if you're a freelancer or a small firm or whatever, you're working for yourself, you got to sell or you're going to, you're going to cease to exist. So things need to sell, your products and services need to sell. And I understand, you know, that the dear listener wants people to just keep showing up in their inbox, knocking on their door and saying, hey, can we give you money? Uh, and that's great when it's working, but when it's not working, you need to do something about it. And whether that's proactive, like you were referring to some sort of outreach through your network or something a little bit more long-term like content marketing or whatever right. going on podcasts. Uh, the thing that, the thing that I love about it, I don't, I don't know how to say this because I'm trying not to use the word selling, but mm-hmm you can set up a sale, a, a relationship. How do you say it? A customer relationship, I guess they can start giving you money. You can engage in a financial way without feeling like you're doing that gross kind of selling. And I, I've long believed this and ho- I'm hoping that you can articulate it a little bit better than I'm doing right now. But could, if you could just explore that idea uh, of serving versus selling and kind of tell the listener what that means to you. Sure. So let's start with where does this negative reputation come from? So, you know, when I think about and when I talk to people, because I ask them a lot, um, you know, why, why do you feel like you have such an aversion to selling and or to marketing? And I think what a lot of people feel is there's a manipulation happening. Um, there's, you know, certain, quote, magic words that I need to use. Like if I do this magic spell, Someone will suddenly just throw money at their pocket, out of their pocket at my face. And like, you know, shouldn't I feel bad about that? And, you know, I, th- I think a lot of the negative feelings about it come from our what I would really characterize as a misconception about what marketing and selling is. So, of course, you know, we're human beings. And so our minds latch on to the most extreme negative examples. Um, and that's just the way our brains work. Um, but you know, if you're a software developer, think back on what sold you to become a software developer. Why was that attractive? Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a single person that sold you on the idea, but maybe you wanted to build things and solve complex problems and create a system where they could be solved over and over again for an infinite number of people who installed the software. Like there were aspects of that that were very appealing to you in such a way that you were willing to allocate your time to do that activity forever, mm-hmm. right? So in the same way, when I think about marketing and selling, it's, it's really about understanding the person I'm trying to reach and understanding what they want or need 
mm-hmm. and then showing them, demonstrating to them in some way how I could provide that and how I could, you know, I say all of selling and really all of marketing is essentially about giving someone a better future. So no matter what the product is, in some way, it's making a promise that tomorrow will be better today than today, I should say. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about marketing and sales, you know, what I'm really thinking about here is understanding in what way, as a consultant, could I make someone's tomorrow better than today? And of course, I want to be confident in that. So if I am confident in that, now I'm taking the long way mm-hmm. to your question, but <laughs> if I am confident in that, then I can focus on serving my client first, right? So if I feel that I can improve this person's situation, if I can give them a better tomorrow than today, then I should be focused on, is that actually true? Now, you know, and I think this message hopefully will resonate with uh, developers because what I'm looking for is evidence, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If I talk to this person, am I confident that I can help them? Why are the reasons I think that's the case? And so in that way, I'm serving because I'm really looking to understand if it's true and vet out my hypothesis that I might be able to help this person, but I don't know yet. And so that's what I mean by serving rather than selling. I'm not in the mode of trying to persuade or convince um, or, you know, package something in some tricky way so that people buy from me. I'm in the mode of understanding if this person has a problem that I can help them solve, I'm going to tell them that. And, you know, they should consider buying from me if that's the case, but they may not. And that's okay too. That's part of serving also is letting people do things on their own time. So that's what I mean by serving versus selling. Excellent. Yes. And, and the better tomorrow is something I talk about a lot in terms of value. So increasing value and selling the value. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, in other places you'll hear it, you know, increased happiness. Uh, and it, it can sound kind of fluffy, but that's really, you know, sort of hand wavy, like, Oh, you're going to be better off, but that's kind of what it boils down to. You know, if, if you, you're making a trade, but you know, let's say it's a, some sort of development project, they're trading money to you for this outcome that your software is going to deliver. They're not paying you for lines of code. They don't, they don't say, Hey, can I, you know, we need 2000 lines of JavaScript by Friday, hurry up. It's, it's not like that. They want the thing that the code is going to produce for them or that they believe is going to produce for them the business outcome that it's going to create. And they're in many cases happy to give you, uh, you know, a, a fair or maybe even extremely high profit for you amount of money to, to do that. Just happy to do it. Like, great. I'm we're glad we found someone we can trust to do this. We believe that you can achieve this outcome. And we've got this bunch of money here that we aren't really putting to good use. You take that and then you give us the software and then we'll be able to make these changes that we want to make for our clients. There's something, something I want to call out though, that you did say, but, um, but I'd like to emphasize, which is I think a big difference between, at least for me, when I was thinking about the idea of selling versus, you know, the, the, the yucky selling, let's call it, yes, uh-huh. versus what I do to close deals, uh, or, you know, it is the if, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking to someone, I'm not one of these always be closing people like everybody I run into is a potential customer, um, right? <laughs> so it's ridiculous. Like, I can't do everything. I, I right. don't, you know, if somebody was like, I'm not going to try and fulfill every need. You know, everybody that I meet isn't a potential customer, but 
they might be. So, you know, if it's the if that I want to emphasize here, because you did say, you know, you're going to talk to somebody, you're going to, and, and if it turns out you're confident that you can give them a better tomorrow through whatever your expertise is, uh, then you kind of owe it to them to let them know that, hey, that, you know, that problem that you're, you just described to me happens to be the kind of thing I help people with. And then once you, once for me, once I'm confident that I can improve somebody's condition, I'm going to sit, I'm going to let them know. I'm going to say, Hey, you know, you've got that broken leg and I've got this machine that can put a cast on you. You know, you, you might want to consider it. Uh, so can you talk a little bit more about that? And, and, and when you're working with people, what are the kinds of things that they, you know, with clients, what are the kinds of things they wrestle with when they're trying to shed this idea of this always be closing idea and, and get into the mindset of looking for fit instead of trying to close everything? Yeah, you know, I, it really depends on who I'm working with. And first of all, that's a fantastic question. Um, I, I think, you know, often I hear that people are having trouble starting conversations or segueing from, you know, I'm someone who helps you, client, um, to, hey, let's talk about how you may be able to um, benefit more from what I do. And what most people think about then is, how can I put more money in my pocket? And so I want to get that out of it. So one of the big things that people will think about is this sort of desperation hunter go kill kind of mode, mm-hmm. which is not my message, right? Mm-hmm. My message is if I do the things that are likely to produce the results that I want, I can be more confident that they will come. I just don't know when or from whom, right? Mm-hmm. So It's sort of like when you think about dieting, right? So many studies show if you just focus not on losing 10 pounds by, you know, whatever, June 1st. Mm -hmm. But if you say, I'm going to eat this way and I'm going to exercise three times a week, you're going to be way more successful. And so that's one of the big things that I try to talk to people about is when they're focused on closing, they're, they're focused on creating an outcome that maybe shouldn't exist with a particular person, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to accept that not only will not everybody buy from us, but some people will buy some things and other people will buy other things. Because of the way we have differences in in how we see value, because of timing, because of, you know, teams or other things, you know, personal preferences. And so if we can divorce ourselves from this idea that, um, you know, we're looking for a particular outcome at any given point. We have much more latitude in how we can run these conversations. And it's much more about discovering and learning than proving. So that's another thing. Oh, yes, I'm, yes, yes. That's a great point. So this week, I'm right, this whole entire week, I'm writing content about listening rather than talking. And, you know, when you're in closed mode, of course, you're in this defensive, I have to prove it to you kind of posture where you're talking a lot, you're telling people why you're amazing, you're telling them why they need you, you're telling them why you're perfect for whatever it is that they're (laughs) doing, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're discovering and you're you're asking questions directed at the goal of understanding this person, not only will you make better decisions about what and if you suggest some solution that you provide, um, but 
the entire conversation will become about them and what they want. And so rather than thinking about how do I close this, which is really about me proving something to you and try to twist your arm, Mm -hmm. I want to focus on discovery and learning. And, you know, I, I find that if I do my job in that part of the conversation, maybe it's one or two conversations, my services basically sell themselves, right? Because if I determine that there's a fit, you know, for instance, for me, it might be, um, you have no sales process. You don't feel confident when you go into a sale, you're selling your services, but it's not predictable. And you've never done anything proactive with your email list, your LinkedIn, your current or past clients. Like you have all these assets that you're, that are just totally underutilized. If I get to that point, right at the end of the conversation, I'm saying, well, you told me these three things are your goals. I can definitely help you with those. Do you want that? Mm-hmm. Right. So now it's entirely about them and they can make the decision to move forward with me or not. But what I've done is I've zeroed in on what they actually want. And that's really what selling is. It's about giving people what they want and hopefully in some way giving them more than they thought they can have and maybe accelerating that process, too. But it's not about me proving anything to you. That's just a a terrible, terrible misconception and maybe what leads to what you asked in the first question, which is why are, why do so many people feel like so gross when they think about sales? Well, it's all about you and no one cares about you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And it triggers a massive imposter syndrome. Yes. The other thing about this that I think ties into all of my pricing spiel is that if you go into every meeting with like, I've got a hammer, then you try to fit you know, and you're just focused on yourself and you're focused on proving, I love that, proving to the other person that they need the hammer. You're going to spend all of your time trying to potentially trying to change their mind about their problem. Like, no, you don't have a screw. You have a nail, you know, because I've got a hammer and I need, I need this sale. I need that. I need this to close. I want, this is how I go out and, and hunt and kill. Like you said, I love the, the metaphors are great. So if you now from a pricing standpoint, what, if, if that went through, you know, get, you sit in, you say, Hey, I've got this hammer. And uh, let me tell you, you've got a bunch of nails over there that need to be pounded. You know, software developers mm-hmm. do this all the time. They think that they think that react is the solution to everything or, you know, Oh, they go into a new project. Oh, you need to rebuild from scratch because the previous people, you know, used a different framework and it's old and you need this new framework and we need to rebuild. And that is almost always bad advice. Right. And even if it turns out to be the, the truth that they do need to do that for some reason, like the technical debt is just like absurd. You can't possibly know that in the, in a, the short first meeting. There's just no way. So here's what's cool about all that. If you switch the conversation around, focused on the person who's in need, the person who is potentially going to be the buyer or the client, and you forget about your stupid hammer and you just talk to them about what their needs are, you might find out that you have nothing, you have no confidence that you can help them with the particular class of problems that they have. It was just a, it's a bad fit. You know, maybe you can recommend them to someone else. Um, Maybe they weren't qualified well enough, whatever, but it, it takes all the pressure off you. If you don't feel like you must leave this meeting, you know, having, um, moved this this relationship closer to a sale if if you're totally cool with the idea that this might not be a good fit it takes all the pressure off of you that's right and can i just add to that that you know one of the biggest follies is a lead comes in 
you know, by the grace of whatever you want to say, <laughs> people are just like, oh my God, a lead came in. This is amazing. And, you know, they start answering questions about pricing over email and they're doing all this other stuff. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I don't even know if I can help this person yet. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's really our, our mandate when we start talking to someone about whether or not we might do business together, the mandate really is to understand their problem first. It's mm-hmm. not to sell anything. And so, yeah, I, exactly what you were saying. If you can separate yourself from the outcome and trust that, you know, if I run my process correctly and I do my homework and I ask the right questions, I'm going to, you know, get three to five out of 10 that come in. I just don't know which three to five. And also I don't know, you know, maybe in the next 10, I get zero in the next 20, I get six. I don't know how that's going to work. Um, and so you, you really need to accept that. And that's tough when you don't have enough leads, but it, it really is what's going to start to improve your process and give you a better chance to have better relationships and really a much better selling process. Yeah. A hundred percent agreed. And, and probably higher prices because you're, you can price instead of pricing your labor, like, Oh, I pound nails for $5 an hour. They need some outcome. Their better tomorrow might be worth a million dollars to them. It might be worth $10 million to them. It might only be worth $500 to them, but it's worth something irregardless. I don't think that's a real word of how much work it's going to take you to help them get there. So it could be that their better tomorrow is worth $10 million to them. And you can deliver that in a very short period of time, which is essentially your cost for a developer anyway. So, you know, they've got this major problem, you know, whatever. They've got a a booming business that they bootstrapped on WordPress and now the server's just falling over and their clients are getting angry and getting ready to leave. They're about to have a massive churn problem and they just don't know what to do about it. And you come up with a a plan to migrate them from their self-hosted WordPress installation to uh, what you know more modern cloud architecture on aws you don't you might not even actually do it for them but you explain how to do it and then you you know you map it out you set up a migration plan and then you uh, oversee their developers as they execute the plan that might only take you two weeks Uh, over the course of two weeks it might only take you five hours but that outcome could be worth millions of dollars to them Mm -hmm. and they'll pay you a hundred grand for it you're pricing the better tomorrow. What's the better tomorrow worth? Okay, it's worth $10 million. I'll charge you a million and then you'll have this huge profit and I'll have this huge profit. Right, exactly. And I mean, in your example, the thing I love about that is if I can give someone a million dollars of value, right? That's what they care about. They don't care about your code. I, I mean, they, they do in so far as you can do the job. But if we can accept that you can do the job, they don't really care how you do it. They don't care how long it takes you. They just want their thing finished. Yeah. Faster, the better. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, talking about your hourly wage, it's all about you. Who cares? Mm -hmm. No one cares about that. That's not why they're in this conversation. All they really care about is solving whatever big pressing problem they have so they can go on to the next one (laughs) (laughs) because solving every problem creates a new one. Right. So, you know, we, that's what we want to focus on is how can we help people get to that point. So when you're working with people who sell their services, how quickly can this transformation take place? Because I feel like it could 
happen pretty quickly once they realize that, oh, I just stop focusing on me and start focusing on them. Does it take a lot of practice or is it, does it come pretty natural to people or I guess it just depend? Well, you know, like all business advice, the right answer is it depends, <laughs> which is so <laughs> <Yeah>. unsatisfying. <laughs> but I think for a lot of people, it, it happens quickly. And one of the ways that it can happen is just for us, you know, one thing I love to do is say, okay, bring a deal to me. Bring a deal with someone who you've been talking to to see if you can work together. Bring that to me and tell me what's going on. And then together, we'll start to understand, well, what are the things that we could have done a little bit differently? Like, how did we get to this point where we feel like we're in a stalemate, where you're selling something that the other person isn't sure if they want and they need some help and you haven't demonstrated clearly that you can help them? Like, how did we get here? And so we'll talk about that. And of course, there's the mindset stuff, um, like you alluded to, where I'm talking about, you know, I, I find that in about a one hour webinar presentation, I can change most people's minds forever about what it means to sell as a consultant. Hmm. Um, and so I think that switch can happen quickly. But then the next thing that needs to happen is to start to put into practice the right questions and the right process and understanding that, you know, we're not going to make an offer to someone who comes and asks for a price. That's not something that we do because we don't know if we can help them. Back to rule number one, stop selling, start serving. So I'm not going to sell you anything if I'm not sure that I can serve you. So I, you know, that's the first step always is to say, well, let's talk because truthfully, I don't know if I can help you. Maybe I'm not the right person for this job. Maybe you don't even have the problem that you think you have. So let's talk because my first goal is to help you. Mm -hmm. And so when people hear me say things like that, they go, oh, that feels way better. Like I'd, I'd rather do that. Um, plus it gives you the benefit of getting out of this, you know, defensive provider, prove myself mode that almost everybody else in the world is in your competition is in that mode typically. Mm -hmm. And so we want to snap you out of that as quickly as possible and get you into thinking about how can I help this person? And of course, Jonathan, maybe you're thinking this, certainly some of the listeners are thinking this, well, I thought I wasn't supposed to help people for free. (laughs) So my feeling on, I, I have lots of feelings. This could be like a three-part series yeah. <laughs> between you and me, right? Like <laughs> what is free work and how do you quantify that? But my feeling is if we can uncover why during the sales process, why someone wants to do it, that part is, I'm using air quotes, free insofar as it's part of doing business for us and for the client to become comfortable with us. What we don't want to get into is the how we're going to do it and you know exactly what steps they should be taking and all of that. Now, now that starts to really look like free work to me. Yep. Um, so you know, I, I do think it's incumbent upon you, the service provider, uh, to and you asked about mindset shift to go out and and help someone for an hour or two. Right? That's probably enough for us to get a sense. Depending on what you're selling, it's probably enough to get a sense of whether or not we should continue this conversation and maybe work together. Right. So this, this, I totally agree. This tracks identically with the sort of the why conversation that I always talk about. So when people get into a sales meeting, I basically say, try to talk the prospect out of hiring you. Mm -hmm. And if you, which is maybe even a more extreme, it's perhaps a, a more extreme way to get at the same sort of thing where, you know, you go and you say, well, before I start giving you prices for things, let's, why don't you tell me why you guys thinking about 
undertaking this big project. You know, mm-hmm. what brought you here? Why, why do you believe that this is the solution? Uh, have you thought about these other possible solutions? Oh, you haven't, or, oh, you have, it's very interesting information. Uh, why do you, why do you feel like you need to do this right now? Uh, is this something that you could study for a while? Could you put it off? Is this urgent? And why would you hire somebody like me to do it? I'm, you know, I'm going to be probably the most expensive person you talk to. Why would you not do this in-house? Why would you not do this overseas? Why would you not do this with interns? You, you can imagine um, it puts people, you know, my student at ease because they don't feel like they're trying to prove anything. In fact, they're doing the exact opposite. They're putting the client in the position to prove something. Right. You know, that there is a real project here that is urgent and is perhaps risky and they need an actual expert to come in to help them with it. Otherwise, because here's the thing, and here's another thing I say all the time that is, I think, going to track with you is I don't want to take your money unless you're going to be better off after you give it to me. You know, I, I want you to be better off because my, my desired outcome, my, I feel like my work product is customer satisfaction, not yes. code, none of that stuff. Right. If you feel like you didn't get good value from this giant check you wrote me, that is not going to be high customer satisfaction. And that is not going to lead to more work with you. And it's not going to lead to referrals. It's going to be everything. Everything's going to be bad. It's a dead end. So I want to make sure first, if I'm going to partner with somebody, because my, my projects tend to be fairly long term, you know, it's a six month minimum usually that it's going to be beneficial the whole way through. And then we get to the end they're going to want to build a statue of me outside the building. Like I want them to be so happy (laughs) that they are raving about me or they're racing to write, write me more checks because it was such a great investment the first time. Yeah. And I know that this can sound a little kumbaya maybe to some people. Um, but I totally agree with you, Jonathan. And I think there's also a practical side of this, which is if we're in a rush to sell and we're not as concerned with can this person get a big multiple over what they're paying me? And, you know, as you put it, build a, you know, (laughs) carve a marble statue of you and put it outside of their front door. Um, If they're not getting that kind of experience, or at least you're not sure that that's possible, you're going to go into an engagement that's chock full of red flags and could end badly. And trust me, the most expensive thing as a consultant is selling a deal that you shouldn't sell, doing the work, and then having to deal with the fallout. It's just the absolute biggest waste of time. Mm -hmm. I speak from experience. I've done it multiple times, more times than I wish to share. (laughs) But it's an awful drain mentally, time-wise, and and also from building tomorrow because now you're living in the past trying to correct the mistakes that you've already made. And it's just a really, really terrible way to do business. So I, I would say that's also the practical side of serving, which is it allows you to focus on things that you're the best at and that will help your clients the most. Yep. Yeah. Get it. Do your best work and create these powerful, these strong, amazing relationships. And like you said, it's like quicksand when you get into one of those bad projects. Uh, it's the word. I, I mean, I've counseled people and have done this myself when you, even after you've taken the money, when you start to see it happening, give them the money back. It's you're, you'd be better off just shooting the project in the head and being like, you know, if you can afford to give the money back, you will immediately instantaneously feel this massive weight off of your shoulders. Be like, Oh, phew. 
you know, it wasn't too late. The project wasn't so, you know, just like early in the project. And you can see there's some huge assumption that nobody saw that is going to be a major problem, or there's a, a surprise personality conflict that, you know, maybe you didn't meet the owner and now the owner is all over the project and it's causing a real problem. Just give them a refund. Uh, if you can do it, I, every, everybody I've ever counseled to do that, including myself has been like, wow, that, that hurt because I, you know, that was a lot of money, but man, I felt better instantaneously and it freed me up to go, you know, it frees up that opportunity cost. You sort of get it back and you're like, oh, okay, now I've got this three months. I can go get a better client. Cause that was going to be a nightmare. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've been there. It, um, <laughs> it's a drain. Let's leave it at that. It's yeah. A drain. Yeah. Well, cool. This has been amazing. We should probably uh, wrap up. I'm curious, where can people find out more about you online? Best place to find out more about me is at Liston, L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O. I have a free 10 video uh, sales course there specifically designed for consultants selling their own services. Um, so that's one way to find me. Second way to find me is I'm very active on LinkedIn. If you type in my name, I promise I will be the only living <laughs> Liston Witherell on the site. <laughs> okay. Uh, good to know. Um, all right. I, I'm picturing the other profile pictures, uh, of the non-living Listons. Anyway. <laughs> well, they were living during the picture. I, I see. Think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Liston. Uh, I'm, I'm sure this is going to be super helpful to everybody out there who has to sell their services. Thank you so much, Jonathan. If you'd like to learn more about how to ditch hourly billing, please go to valuepricingbootcamp.com to sign up for my free email course. Again, that URL is valuepricingbootcamp.com. Thanks.